Welcome to the Quality Meet Scotland podcast. Industry updates and best practice to promote, support, develop and protect the Scottish red meat sector. Hello and thanks very much for downloading this. I'm Mark Stephen. With COP26 in the frame, suddenly everybody seems to be talking about environmental sustainability. And that's what this series of QMS podcasts are all about. As a country, we're supposed to be heading towards reducing carbon emissions and ultimately zero carbon. Scottish farming is going to have to play its part in that, which is fine, but how? Well, Nether Eden Farms are a mixed farm run by David and Nicola Barron. They've got suckler cows, mainly Aberdeen Angus, and they also produce winter barley for feed and malting barley. David joins me now. Thanks very much for agreeing to do this, David. It's a pleasure. Tell me a wee bit more about your farm, please. The farm's a fairly typical Aberdeenshire farm. It uh, runs to about 600 acres, half and half grass and cereals. I've been farming it for 30 years. My history was I was in partnership before that with my brother, who's a dairy farmer. So that was my love as a, a boy. And um, we've, we weren't able to go down that route because of quotas and whatnot. So I moved into suckler cows and cereals. From 2014 to 2019, Nether Aden was a climate change focus farm. What does that actually mean? It was a government initiative that I'd apply to get into, basically to make your farm more profitable, more sustainable, so that we can move to a net carbon uh, agricultural climate. So basically you've got not just you, but other people are looking at what your farm does and how you do that, you know, and you're trying to sort of reduce costs, reduce inputs, that kind of thing. What were your main costs back in 2014 when you started? My two main costs were, by a country mile, fuel and fertiliser. I was using too much fuel and too much fertiliser. I've actually reduced that by at least a third. And how have you managed to do that? I've dried grain for eight years carbon neutrally, which means I, I it was before I was involved in the climate change thing. I, I put in a biomass boiler and I had solar panels on the roof of my grain store. So no, no diesel at all is used in the grain drying process. And some people say, is biomass sustainable? Well, if you chop down one tree, you've got to plant two in its place. So yes, it is sustainable. And um, using all your electricity from solar panels, I think, is a, is a good thing as well. You use hydrogen as a fuel on the farm. How do you do that? Well, when I looked at how I could reduce my fuel and fertiliser bill, hydrogen stood out by an absolute country mile again. You could actually make fuel and fertiliser on the farm, and that's where I'd like to be eventually. But at the moment, the kit and probably not the know-how because hydrogen's a product that's been on the go longer than fossil fuels. And the know-how is very much there and it's a simple process, but it's just the kit costs too much. So I was able to find this guy down in Yorkshire called Water Fuel Engineering, which is a retro box you can fit on any vehicle. I put it on a JCB Loadall for a start And it reduced my fuel consumption on that machine by 20 to 25%. That was proven by the college because we kept very stringent uh, fuel records. It actually improved the torque 
of the engine, not the horsepower, but it, it gave you far more go about the machine. It cleaned the machine so there was no emissions coming from, so there was less servicing required as well. So it was really a win-win-win. And when you talk about attaching one of these boxes to, you know, a digger or a truck or a tractor, whatever it is, the vast majority of things nowadays have got electronic brains, you know, ECUs, electronic control units. Do you need to tune those in too? Does it recognise it immediately? Well, I've got AdBlue in a couple of the tractors and we've never switched that off, but it just doesn't use much AdBlue when you've got this hydrogen thing switched on. So... I've never tampered with any of the brains of the machine or my own one because um, I don't have one. But this thing is a no-brainer, you would say, because of what it does. It reduces fuel consumption. And the thing is, if it stops working, your machine just reverts to back what it was before. So you lose all the savings. So to answer your question, it doesn't seem to affect there doesn't seem to be a downside. It doesn't affect the intelligence of the machine, no. So you're talking about £1,000 to actually buy one of these kits and and install it? It's £1,000. I think you have to do two at a time because the guy has to live. So, you know, £2,000 these days is not a lot of money. But I think if you had two machines, he would come and install it for £2,000. You were saying you were keeping quite a close eye on what your you know, fuel usage was. Did you ever quantify that into cash? Oh, yes. Um, SRUC handled all that. But yes, I mean, I think I was saving about two or three thousand, a couple of thousand pounds a vehicle uh, per year, maybe 1,500. I can't remember now. I'd have to look back. But it was a substantial amount you know, the load all is going 24-7 all the time and it's burning a lot of fuel. So if you're if you're saving in the black side 20% of that, it, it equates to a lot of fuel, depending, you know, where f- fuel is going because it's only going one way and that seems to be up and more expensive at the moment. This is an interesting device you're talking about here, but it's not what I'd envisaged. I was thinking in terms of an electrolyzer, something that would take water in one end, you know, and split it. You, you produce oxygen and hydrogen, hydrogen being put under pressure and used as a fuel. How expensive are those kits? Have you any idea? Well, yes. I actually went down and looked at a plant in methyl that the council were running down in methyl and Fife. The kit was substantial substantial down there to get it up and running to do all the buses i think was something like a four or a five million pound investment whereas this thing is a thousand pounds but that's that's a big scale thing i mean farm scale could be an awful lot less than that and if you've got spare renewables like solar panels or wind turbines you've got all your electricity that you need there to store it in a big compressed tank so the making of the hydrogen is not really the problem. It's maybe fitting a fuel cell to your tractor and being able to get it going because New Holland have got a hydrogen tractor. And I know JCB are really development. In fact, um, Lord Bamford phoned to ask me about it one day, how my thing was getting on. So everybody is looking and it's going to come quite quickly, I think, I hope. Yeah, it's interesting. I've actually seen that um, cracking plant down in Methyl. And you're right, it's, it's huge. It's far bigger than a farm would ever require. But I, mean, I remember looking at it, and it must be over 10 years ago, and thinking, see if you can make a small version of this that ran off a wind turbine and you could stick it in your house. You know, it'd be a great idea. 
absolutely. I mean, hydrogen, we had an open day once and, and uh, the guy from Yorkshire said, I can set water and fire. And I said, yeah, of course you can. And his name is Angel, uh, which is, um, you know, quite apt. But he, he, he fitted my, the hydrogen box I have to uh, acetylene, a torch, and he was burning holes in concrete. He was splitting metal. He was cutting metal with water. I mean, water through an electrolyzer makes hydrogen gas, and the power there is huge. Yeah, I must confess, I've, I've driven electric vehicles, and I've also driven hydrogen vehicles. And the hydrogen vehicles were the ones that impressed me most. Well, this is where I would really like to get in touch with uh, somebody like Jeremy Clarkson, because, you know, the concept is amazing. Top Gear, you know, you, you talk about diesel heads or whatever. If you were a hydrogen head, if you were a diesel head, the, the more you drive, the more you damage the environment. If you're a hydrogen head, the more you drive, the, the, the excess of that is water and oxygen. So you're actually helping the environment. It's an absolutely fantastic concept. And you looked into the idea of making your own fertilizer too. Yes. Yeah. Have you seen the price of it? No. <laughs> is it bad? It's gone from somewhere in £300 a tonne to £700 a tonne, or £650, £700 a tonne at the moment. I know I can't afford it. But I probably can't afford not to have it either because of the yield deficit. But that's all coming from gas as well. And, and obviously, you'll watch the news and know the story at the moment. But from hydrogen, you could actually mix it with urea and start making your own fertilizer. It's just extraordinary. And aside from fuel and fertilizer, what changes have you made to the farm since 2014? Quite a few. Well, as I said, I'm a bit frustrated dairy farmer. And my grassland management has really improved over the last few years. I've uh, freshened up all my pastures. So I've now got young grass with plenty clover. So they're, they're making the nitrogen instead of it coming out of a bag. I've changed the rotational paddock grazing, which um, I give the grass a rest, a chance to come back with some electric fencing. And I've actually boosted my grass yields quite substantially. I establish my grass by peas and barley, arable silage, which feeds the grass when it's coming through and I get a crop off it. I've probably gone away from continental cattle. I used to have Charleys and limousines traditionally, which were, you know, a lot of stress at, at, at calving time and being there 24-7. I've moved over. I have 150 Aberdeen Angus cows. I've got three Aberdeen Angus bulls and one Charlie because I still like a problem or two. But they actually get on and carve themselves more. I do have problems, but not nearly so much. And I'm trying to tune into this local market of supplying my uh, two local butcher shops that has a, a, a low carbon footprint. What else have I done? How about winter barley? Well, winter barley... <sighs> winter barley is probably the one I want to get away from in the future. I always like to grow a bit of winter barley for feed, and it's getting my harvest going you know, six weeks earlier than if I was all spring barley. But with this dryer I have, you know, we could probably go all spring barley in the future because the yields are much and such. And the cost of growing winter barley compared to spring barley, it's, ch it's chalk and cheese. Growing spring barley is far cheaper. And with these new varieties we have nowadays, they're equally as high yielding. Have you any idea, I mean, has, has anybody been able to work out for you, SRUC, for example, 
just just what your carbon emissions are at the moment? Yes, I've done eight carbon audits, or the college have done eight carbon audits for me, and I actually have a hundred more beasts on the farm than when I started because I've moved a smaller cow and I can walk more kilos off if they're Aberdeen Angus rather than Charlie because I've got more of them because their feed intake is less, their maturity is quicker and my carbon footprint is slightly down. So it is possible to have more cattle on the farm and have a lower carbon footprint with the other things I've been doing like hydrogen and biomass grain drying probably using my muck more, you know, rather than a bonus, using it more productively, my farmyard manure, and buying a third less fertiliser in the bag. You sound as if you're doing brilliantly, but you must still be a long, long way away from zero carbon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Rome wasn't built in a day. That's a phrase that... um, I'll refer to, and I, 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 I don't claim to be the finished product, but we're trying. And there is, I'm sure, there's so much more we can do. It's like I've got a carbon camera now Then I was running back, and my farm steading is uh, half a mile from the house, and I was always up and down that road with the truck, you know, umpteen times a day. I can sit and look at it in my monitor screen and watch these Aberdeen Angus carve themselves and only go up there and intervene if there's a problem. So, you know, it's little things. I've got some moo calls on my cows that actually phones you when they start calving. So, you know, there's so much technology if we can find what works and what doesn't, because I'm not saying everything works. But somebody's got to try it. COP26 is going to involve politicians and scientists and campaigners and lobbyists and Uncle Tom Cobbley and all. Now, you're actually doing, already doing, some of the things that they're going to be talking about. Do you ever get the chance to show them? Yes. I had a farm visit two Fridays ago in conjunction with NFU, QMS and SRUC. There was 20 MPs and MSPs and local councillors came along, which was quite a lot. Uh, had a look around the farm. We had a good, frank discussion, like we're doing today, on where we are, where we want to be, and where we've come from. They did a lot of nodding, and they asked a lot of sensible questions. And hopefully, hopefully, that cow numbers are not reduced too much, because that would decimate the beef industry. We need food. Cows are the best thing for for biodiversity and for organic matter. Soil health is a thing that I've really focused on in the last few years. I'm ashamed to say when I was at agricultural college 35 years ago, the day we did soil science, I think I must have been in the pub because I didn't take anything away from university or college. But I've now found soil health is so important. And that's the thing I want to really focus on in the future. Because you're, if your soil is healthy, everything else falls into place. You'll grow grass, you'll grow grain, you'll tr- grow whatever so much easier with less input. Because it's the input, too much inputs or too expensive inputs kills the profitability of farming. If you were being absolutely honest with me, what is your motivation behind this? Is it concern for the planet, climate change, the balance sheet at the end of the day? What is it? A bit of both. Um, 
I, I don't want to knock my pan in 365 days a year for nothing. Farmers are, are infamous sometimes for, for doing that. And some of the trade think that if you would just give them enough to keep on going, they'll do it. I want to enjoy the fruits of my labour. But the most important thing I want to do is leave the planet in a better place for whoever comes to farm behind me. I've got three boys, and I don't know if any of them are farm or some of them will, but I've had a good crack of the whip, and I want them to have equally as good a chance as I have done, if not better. And if we don't do something going forward, it's not going to be very funny, I don't think. No, you're probably right. David Barron and Nether Arden Farm near Mintlow, thank you very much. Pleasure. And thank you again for downloading this podcast. If you'd like to see more examples of climate change focus farms, then there's a website, Farming for a Better Climate, which features some short videos, including one of David. I'm Mark Stephen. Until the next podcast, I hope you found this useful. Thank you for listening to the Quality Meet Scotland podcast. For news and to listen back to previous episodes of the podcast, visit qmscotland.co.uk. For Scotch beef, Scotch lamb and specially selected pork recipe videos and inspiration, visit www.scotchkitchen.com or follow Scotch Kitchen on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. <laughs>